everyone, this is Open Arted, a podcast exploring why making art can be more practical than we think. I'm your host, Monika Mashanovskaite, and I have a little confession to make. This year is a little bit bumpy road for me because I'm trying to finish my second master's degree in Vienna, University of Arts and Music. And uh, I will try to be as consistent as I can with these episodes. But please, if I don't post every two weeks, don't be mad at me. I'm trying really hard to provide you with these talks because I believe it's really valuable. And the talk we are going to hear today will be with Neringa Voluntonite, a Lithuanian pianist, and uh, it will be a recording from Konas Piano Fest, a last recording I have. And uh, Neringa is currently studying in Lithuania her doctorate degree on the topic of creating academic musician's persona. And uh, we touched a lot of important topics and uh, I feel like this episode is a little bit eye-opening. At least it was for me. So I really hope it will be for you too. And without further ado, let's jump to the conversation. Welcome everybody, this is Kona's Piano Fest and our third discussion with wonderful Neringa. Hello! <laughs> so I'm super happy to welcome you here again. And uh, Neringa is a pianist from Lithuania who studied in Germany. So <laughs> you could tell me a little bit uh, about yourself. And also I wanted to let you know that on the national radio, I promoted you <laughs> nice. and, and I said that we're gonna do this discussion and I said that uh, I'm, s I'm so honored because I'm going to talk with the third prize winner oh of Trilonis. <laughs> no, but it's uh, actually congratulations because we didn't you. it was like two years ago. It it's, was already a long it's time ago. Ki kind of irrelevant. The last, the last year kind of skipped. It wasn't there. So it's always like, yeah. I think it was last year. No, it was two years ago. Two yeah. years ago. But so first, good ago. question. Did you... Did something change? Yes, like one year was just not existing there. Oh, because and of it, the preparation. Exactly. No, I mean, you mean career-wise? Yeah, I mean, like change? you know, because uh, we all we very often think that uh, by winning a competition, we something will happen and something uh, important, you know, happens, and suddenly you have a career or some doors open, you know. So I just wanted to know if. I or personally so. for you something happened I mean personally of course it was a very amazing thing because I think I was in my best like shape yes like playing wise that is always nice <laughs> and uh, I, I was participating in this competition twice first time I also didn't get to the finals but it was just awesome but I was happy that I didn't get to the finals because <laughs> I wasn't very much prepared <laughs> this time I was prepared and I was very happy it was very weird but to be honest I'm not a competition person and I never participate there because it's just too stressful but it was like a very personal goal for me to go there and participate because I had some, well, performance issues, anxiety and so on. So it was like a big challenge for me. Career-wise afterwards, I wouldn't say that something really changed, but it's really difficult to say because then afterwards, I think it was at the end of 2019 and then 2020 came and then yeah. we all know what happened. <laughs> so everything sort of stopped and I don't know if something would have changed much if everything would have just go on, but I mean, Nothing in particular really changed because, well, you have to do something by yourself. I mean, the competition is not solving 
anything besides the fact that you're like really improving a lot and then the event in general is awesome because you meet a lot of you know people and you you, you find new friends and it's really cool yeah so now you're doing something a bit different yes. <laughs> and i mean you're still playing of course uh, but you are doing doctorate in a topic uh, for music business something like that related or to related that, yeah. to that or uh, how to survive as a, as a classical musician in this uh, jungle in this, ju <laughs> in this jungle so if you could uh, explain a little bit about the the maybe not the thesis but why you wanted to do this and you know what uh, brought you there So everything started with the crisis. <laughs> like always, like, you know, like wars as well. Story, yeah, it was like, like the worst time of my life and I was in Germany, actually before. Uh, because just before my study started, I uh, had this, I participated in this masterclass, ESA International Summer Academy in Reichenau. And I was participating in the workshop of Angela Beeching. And I already had this idea that something should be done a bit differently than just participating in competitions, auditions, and so on. Um, but when I went there, she asked us all to write our five-year plan on a small piece of paper. I think you also did that. We did that, yes. <laughs> and as I sat there with an empty paper for all of the workshop, I was just thinking, maybe something is not right, because I really don't know how I want to do it. Because other people were just saying, like, oh, I want to participate in like Chopin competition and so on. Mm. Of course, Angela was criticizing a lot, <laughs> these things. But I literally sat there with an empty paper, and I thought, like, okay, I don't know what to do now. And then the crisis hit because it was just insane. And I immediately bought her book. I bought a book of uh, Ben Hadkeres, also a career coach. Um, and it was a complete like eye-opener because I realized that something should be done way differently. And then when you read about this music business, you realize that, oh my God, I have no clue. I n I've never heard about these things. And then I just have to, you know, do so many weird stuff that, I mean, who can know about branding? I mean, how can you know about branding when you're a pianist and you did only that for all of your life since you're six? And I really needed to, you know, kind of start, you know, building my website and all of that things. And I did that but then I really got stuck on the branding part because it's usually like also at the beginning of every workshop or of every book it's like build your own brand personal brand um, Ben Hutt uh, was using a term love mark which was a very interesting term of one businessman really have no clue what's his last name <laughs> <laughs> but um, like everybody is just speaking about your self-image and then that you have to create that one. But I really was sitting there and I thought like, how can you speak about yourself like so objectively? Like you have to figure out who you are, but then you have to also know what people see when you're performing and then how you build all the, you know, strategies of branding and so on and I really got stuck there. And then I thought like, okay, I have to do something more. So I thought like, why not a research? And then I ended up in our doctorate because I really wanted to do it from the point of view of a performer. So that's why I decided to do art doctorate when, you know, the case studies are happening from your point of view as a performer. You do all the experiments by yourself. And I thought, like, why not trying to figure out how to do that, actually, the branding part. So I'm kind of stuck at the beginning of the book, but, <laughs> but I'm trying to go there really deep. So, yeah. Okay, so three more years to go, or yes, two more years? <laughs> three, three, three. But uh, 
I hope I'm not mistaken, but I think that you are one of the first person, must be in Lithuania at least, who actually does doctorate in that. I you know, so. re relating classical music, this, this very closed field. Well, in the academic world, especially like in Lithuania, nobody really did that. It, I think so. I mean, I cannot say that I'm 100% sure, but I haven't yes. found any, any researches on that topic. But yeah, so that's why, you know, you get some criticism, <laughs> a lot of criticism. But of you are also, it's, it's the main purpose of doctorate, right? To, to find something new, which Obviously. Has, has never been done. And normally the problems are because doctorates are repeating itself. Yes. And this is like the actual great thing, you know? And commission, sometimes they're <laughs> making some... Not, not about doctors, actually, about other theses. They're making fun because everybody's speaking about extended techniques <laughs> or <laughs> yeah. about some composer. I mean, I, I don't want to criticize of because course, like, I'm, so. I'm in the same boat. I'm just doing a research. And I'm trying to realize how everything is going there. But I know for myself that if I would need to write about something that would not interest me so much, that would not impact my career so much. Mm. It's not about impacting my, my playing but my career, so I don't know if I would really survive because studies are hard. Yes, I mean, doctorate yes. must be hard, and it's really, really hard to do that. But it's just I have a good team <laughs> on my back, so it's really, really great. Yeah. We could talk a little bit about the, you know, the mindset which we all have. I mean, okay, I will talk only about myself. I shouldn't generalize. <laughs> but, um, you know, this mindset of branding, you know, first you know learn how to play or 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 that you know if you are using branding for you know you're using help, uh, branding for help uh, to to help your career it kind of means that maybe you are not as successful as a performer you know and i, I don't know if it how it works in different fields uh, uh, you know not classical music fields but i i think that there is a stigma you know using instagram and stuff and you know posting your videos or whatever because it feels like probably if you would have a career or you would be successful you shouldn't do it you know and if you are doing it it's most likely because it's not really going well for you you know so i don't know if you can relate to that i can actually because quite recently to be honest uh, one guy asked me about like, oh, why did you come back to Lithuania and so on? Like, why did you decide to, to you know, um, do the doctorate and so on? And what about your career and everything? And I said like, yeah, sure, a career, yes, I, I'm doing that and so on. And then he said like, you know, because I'm thinking that it's too late for me already. And I said like, how old are you? And he's younger than me. And then oh I my God, like, how old are you? <laughs> I'm almost 27 and okay. then when he says that he's like 25 or 24 and he says like I think it's too late if you don't have already like a very good start of your career by then then it's just like and I said like why do you think that and well basically the competitions are all until you're 30 or 32 and so on and then when you're older then it's just not happening and then so, and then I realized that we have this idea that whether you are a superstar and you have all of the concerts, you know, every third day with different programs and all of these things, or you literally are just no name and nothing. Exactly. There's no middle ground. Exactly. And then I thought, but come on, world changes so much. And we have like so many like solution, like we go to the shop and we can 
I don't know, buy so many types of milk. It's not like the best milk or no milk. It's we <laughs> we have a lot of a lot to choose from. And then I thought like, well, of course, maybe like the industry of classical music is not as big as popular music industry, but I mean, it's there's place for all of us, mm. actually. And then I thought like we should establish that middle ground. And then of course, when you start doing something you know, like branding and Instagram and so on, you get a lot of criticism because, of course, then they think like, okay, you couldn't go to the top top, so that means you're a no-name who's struggling and just going to the media. And then you always get the idea that if you go on the social media, if you start branding yourself, then that means that you don't have enough time or enough focus on how you're performing. That means you're worse. Mm. Although I must say that um, especially in European countries such as um, I think Austria or Germany, also France, I've heard that there are some additions to opera houses or orchestras or even to festivals that first of all they do listen how you play but then they check how many followers you have. Yes, so if you're not active on social thing. media they are not uh, taking you. So the world is changing. But we don't want that our art would be changed because we are very, you know, we respect academic art and it's a very good thing. But then we sort of, you know, commercialism, but then academic, you know, art and then like, how can you combine these two? It's impossible. And then you get all of this stigma, I think, that comes from that. Mm. It's, I think, especially like really these two things, whether everything or nothing or you know you're pure academic and then you go for everything so for that career awesome every third day a concert or you have nothing but then if you go to the commercial parts so then you go only to weddings or to parties i don't know yeah exactly it's like there's no middle you can't like you cannot connect these dots somehow in your mind even though they're very well like they they i think they're very compatible i really do and you know the the, fi the funny thing is that you know if we if we say we take someone who is really good at that marketing and he you know he has a lot of performances maybe not n not all performances are in in philharmonics right but you know that the person is actually earning money you know it's still looked down that oh he is not playing in those prestigious halls even though he might be earning much more than the person who is playing in those prestigious halls Exactly. And, and I just completely, I just can't understand that. But like, it, there's another question. Do you necessarily want to play only in the prestigious halls? No, <laughs> no, not me. I, I, when you talked about this, I... I, I mean, of course, we all want to play in like Carnegie <laughs> yes, Hall and the, stuff. But, but the, <laughs> the thing is that I, I feel like not necessarily the audience in Carnegie Hall will be the audience which actually wants to hear this music. And, I, and we talked about this before... Um, I think with someone, I, I had this interview a couple of weeks ago that it's very often status and, you know, people who go maybe to Berlin Phil, it's, it's, it's a certain that, you know, you, it's a certain people. It's not always the people who truly wants to hear music. It's something, you know, that you can uh, afford going there that, uh, you know, I sometimes feel when I played and when I had the, uh, not not such an important halls that people were much more uh maybe honest and truthful you know and and what happens in Konas Piano Fest that we really we try to get rid of this you know classical music snobism 
they say, and we know we do the in in this factory where we are here now. And uh, in the interview, the national uh, radio, they asked. Uh, I said that you know people can wear what they want in our concert. They can come with jeans, and it's fine, you know. And then the reporter asked, so, oh, but maybe it will be bad influence that because after your festival, people uh, will go to Philharmonics wearing jeans. And I said to him, but. I don't care what he wears. I care that he actually comes and listens to music because, you know, he wants to hear music. And the funny thing is that so many people maybe will not come because they think that they have to change before the concert, you know? And then when I see people uh, in Conan's Piano Fest concert with slippers, I say, great, because they actually came to, to listen to the music and they can relax, you know? Yeah, I think like the status thing, like uh, of people who are just dressing up nicely <clears throat> and they go to the Philharmonic or to other very famous hall, it comes from like really like long time ago because yeah. it was all about the prestigious to show that you're like you know I don't know how to say that in English. We say it in Lithuanian, you know, to to culturalize yourself. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I don't yeah, know yeah, how yeah. to say it, but you know, like you go there not because of the purpose of listening to particular artist or music but because you just want to go to a hall and show to the society that you are interested in a very in a intellectual yes, art. Yes, yes. But the thing is that I think uh, that's the point. We've changed, world's changed, and that status thing is going away. It's not going away very rapidly, but it goes away step by step. So maybe like the big, big halls, they still have that. But if you go to some smaller halls, they are not thinking about the academic culture or the intellectuality of it. They think about you as a person. They want to listen to you or maybe hear you talk or maybe just talk to you with a glass of wine afterwards. And that's what interests them mo more. And I think it comes more from the popular music that you want to know more about the person than just, you know, listen to what the person does and then, you know, show your beautiful dress and the Philharmonic and then, you know, speak to your colleagues or neighbors who are in the same, you know, status yeah. game and then, and then that's it. It goes away. It goes away. And I think like Lithuania particularly, I don't think that we even had that very high, you know, um, how to say that we really wanted to show the status and so on. I wouldn't say that like Philharmonic or maybe Opera House a bit more that they go to listen to the opera, but usually they are more interested in, in the artists. Yes, yes. I mean, I talk maybe globally. I don't, I don't this be is, in... Uh... Yeah, this is more a global thing. In Lithuania, it's a bit less. And I think <coughs> that's why we're in a better situation because we can establish a better cooperation with the audience mm. here because it's everything smaller, less yes, artists, yes, yes, yes. Uh, less audience, but then the connection can be way better. It can be, you know more close yeah of course like I didn't want it to you know say Berlin Phil does that no, of course not and it, it they, they don't do, it but, <laughs> but you know even that uh, you can see what they are advertising you know what supports them exactly it's, it's Mercedes-Benz or 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 uh, I don't know how to tell, tell the other brand but it's Mercedes-Benz <laughs> let it be <laughs> let it be just that one you know so it tell uh, I mean you know they are uh kind of targeting a certain a certain people, you know? They're targeting certain people yeah. who probably drive Mercedes-Benz, you yeah. know? <laughs> and it's totally fine. But what I wanted to say that we, as you say, world change, it means that it can, it can have, classical music ha can have another angle to it. You know, not only this... Uh, exactly. Huge uh, buildings, uh, amazing dresses and prestige. It can also be in the factory where people yeah. come 
and sit, you know, and because very people think that, uh, very often people say, oh, classical music is like hard to understand. And we had one volunteer and she is uh, not a professional uh, musician. And she said, you don't have to understand. You just have to feel it. It's, it's just, it's music. It's music. It's yeah, music. Exactly. It's like there's pop music. You, you enjoy it because you just feel something. Exactly. And not all classical music is good. Not all pop music is bad or vice, uh, vice versa, versa, you yeah. know? Yeah, I think like when when we speak about these high institutions like oh, these big halls, they are building their audience as an institution, as yes, a building. True. But as a building in a good sense, not in not in a bad sense. So that means that they are getting their target audience, you know, for their for their institution, for their mm. organization, but not, uh, I mean, of course, when an individual, for example, a superstar comes to perform there, or a person who has a lot of followers, because there are certain also these big, these big institutions that are also thinking about these things, like how many followers do you have, then of course there's a certain amount of audience that are fans, yeah but it's not 100% fans but when you make a concert in a small building where it's like quite a universal building it can like any type of events can happen here then you really just bring your fans only it's mm. 100% because who else will nobody will go just oh go to that random building to listen to classical music now because it's just what I do it's it's I mean maybe there are people like that but usually you know I go to Carnegie Hall because I go to Opera House because it's an opera house and then yes. you, know, you have this you know maybe you do it every weekend or maybe you do it every New Year's Eve or something like that but when you go to a you know no name building to listen to an artist you go really for that artist so that means you're interested in the person mm. not in an institution yes you talk a lot about the change and i see that in your academic uh, in your doctorate you wrote that many people many things change and therefore we as uh, performers classical music performers we have to change and uh, what changed <laughs> well i think many things changed for example this thing with the followers it wasn't like yeah, that. Yeah, a couple of years ago, it sounded like stupid. Like, followers, would, would you care about that? You exactly. don't go practice. <laughs> exactly. Now, actually, the image is more important. But image, it's a very difficult word. Because image, you always associate with, you know, like, actual image. That's yeah. it. Like, how do you look like? But image is a very broad, broad term. And it has a lot of aspects, different ones. Actually, you could use image instead of many words that I use yeah. <laughs> in my thesis so but the thing is that um, I think that now people they really want to know more about the artist and sometimes even inappropriately more and that <laughs> comes from you know Hollywood and pop pop music industry and so on but that also is happening now in academic music as well and we have a lot of superstars and for example Igor Levit if you google then you always get like does Igor Levit have a girlfriend does Igor <laughs> Levit have a boyfriend like oh my god where does he live like how and so on like so what many is questions his address? <laughs> exactly so many questions that are inappropriate but they're just happening there of course Igor Levit is doing many things besides playing and it's just mind-blowing but but people still they get interested in you know these things but they also get interested in nice things like in the, the appropriate uh, the appropriate part of, of, of the person and that is a very big change 
because well we do have these stardoms from from you know past century you know we do have Glenn Gould and Horowitz Rita and so on so the, it, it was also interesting like that but it was a bit different era we didn't have that uh, you know social media Facebook where you could really the the performer could directly communicate with their fans it was always going through agency through you know marketing you know people and through magazines and so on it was never direct and now it's direct as it is in popular music and so people are getting more and more interested in a lot of things mm. so this i think is a huge change because now we have an opportunity to cooperate well we didn't we were just performer and then there's the an audience. And now we are kind of getting closer and closer. So this is very important. And another thing, competitions, obviously. I'm not criticizing them. It's a nice event and it's very useful. It can be awesome. And you still have a chance that, for example, if you win a big competition, then a lot of door opens and doors open. And then you really, you know, you have an opportunity to start your career. There are competitions like that. But the percentage of that... <laughs> Um, it's like a, we always say that winning a lottery, you know? It is. It's like picking your ticket <laughs> if you're lucky. Exactly. It is really. I mean, I think the chances are like this, exactly. winning a lottery. In, and, and it's also like you choose a competition from your level and it's okay if you cannot participate in Tchaikovsky or Chopin competition. It's okay. You don't have to be always in that level. But then you, you participate in like less, maybe not that big competitions mm -hmm. and then you win and then 20 people win in the world at the same time. <laughs> yeah, at the same time, exactly. And then like... And the it, next year in that competition is another winner already? Exactly. Then you maybe get a contract then you play all of these concerts maybe one year or two years like depends uh, on the on, on the competition but then like the next competition another person wins and then it takes from takes that from you and if you couldn't establish the connection with the organizers or with the audience then you're screwed you're just done with your yeah. contract and then you go to another competition and then you hunt for another thing so I think competitions as a primary source of like I don't know, like the primary opportunity for your career. I, I don't think that that really is as strong as it used to be because it's just too many, like not too many. It's just more and more competitions. Mm. And more. they lose the importance exactly. itself because, uh, you know, it's it's same like with musicians. We are, we have so many musicians. Exactly. So. And it's more and more each year. Mm. Maybe like you wouldn't see that so much in, in, in for example, Lithuania. It, although I think this year... Yeah. I mean, there were and a we lot have amazing people. quality like everyone we here exactly are great but you know? if you look to Germany because before my entrance exams I really wanted to go to you know the statistics mm -hmm. and to check and then I saw that like every year like thousands and thousands of <gasps> artists who are playing solo it's not about the orchestra musicians who, because apparently you can study only orchestra thing I didn't know that but like uh, not only that or opera singers it's only instrumentalists and it's like thousands more, thousands more each year. So where do you, where do you put all these artists? And if they all go to competitions, then you automatically do more competitions. But then you win that competition, and then whole bunch of other people also win another like other competitions. And then like yes, you can get concerts, and it is possible. But it's so risky to put 
everything on that one competition card mm. because it's not as Angela Beeching says it's not you who choose yeah it's not you in the driving seat or how that you rely said. on other people exactly. you know and you put like saying will I get paid or not paid exactly and you wait you know and and commission like even though they can be as professional as possible they're still people and they're still like audience so that means like your performance can be you know I don't know, you can say if your performance was good or not, not only by the way you played, but also how the person who was listening to you felt. So the the commission, like people in the commission, they're also people. So what if they had the bad morning or yeah. they're tired or their stomach is upset? So that means that maybe they will, you know, they try to be as objective as possible. And I think it's a difficult job, my goodness. But it's still, you know, like it's you don't know if that's this, you know, connection will happen or not. And you still have to think about people who are maybe not professionals because, well, that's basically our audience. Yes, this is what they want. I think we talked about that before when we chatted that very often, like, we treat that our audiences are us, you know, our colleagues and our teachers and the jury, which in the real life, we will, we will not play for them, you know? Exactly. And, and then we, we kind of do our branding according to what they want, you know, according to what our colleagues want, according to what our teachers want, and not what the actual audience want. Also regarding the programs. Regarding the programs. Yeah, you, I think I was speaking with Gintaras. Prokofiev and five sonatas. No, I think I was speaking with Gintaras and Nushavichus, um, and he said that um, he sees the tendency that, like, people who are even, like, in their 40s, they're making their programs according to like competitions or exams so that means there should be like a sonata like yeah. from classicism then it should be like an etude and and then so on and so on and then he thinks like why why, why? because if you if you check his programs it's always yeah, something yeah i wanted to say that he's God. so creative with all yeah, the you know he picks the top C or something yeah. it's just like he picks crazy. the topic and it's so i've been to a couple of his concerts it was so amazing because exactly. it was like a real It, it was almost like a film, you know? Exactly. And I remember I was listening to one interview with a conductor and he talked about, you know, why people don't go to concerts. And he said, like, they don't feel anything, you know, they, they just don't get anything. So why they should go if they can just, you know, turn on Netflix and chill, you know, and have fun, <laughs> you know? Exactly. And then I think what Gintara does is amazing because you actually, like, you... It's interesting, you know, you, you travel together with him. So I think yes. it's so important. Yeah. Because the topic, these topics that he chooses, they are very much like of everyday life. Yeah. You would, you would think like that. And, and, and the thing, it's not like you, you, you pick a topic, which is sonata. Yeah, sonata. Or, and, and then you don't explain anything. It's just sonata yeah. or just that it's, it's, it, it, it you cannot find like really a connection with the audience like that. But if you take like vitamin C, Come yeah, on. it's like you know that if you will have a positivity in the middle of the pandemic. Come on, that's like brilliant. So yeah, that's how it is. You know, you choose something that would be like really related to your audience. But that's the point. Then you have to change your attitude that you're not performing for your teachers, professors, commission colleagues, because they will well most likely not buy tickets to your concert yeah sorry like but they, really. <laughs> they will not be that good of an audience to be honest mm. 
Yeah, because you know, how often do you yourself go to concerts exactly. to listen to your friends? Even maybe to you everybody. go to like, support. You but go, but I mean, you don't go to every each of the concerts. Yeah. and then you still like. I feel sometimes that I'm a terrible listener mm. when it comes, especially to piano players. <laughs> Not because like I'm judging. I really I'm I don't like it because I know that I would feel bad if somebody would be judging me. But you cannot you know avoid the fact that you think like okay that place is difficult. Yes, you're okay, professional. What does she do with her wrist <laughs> or like what does he do with his pedal and so on and the sound is too direct <laughs> or you know like i would play it like otherwise even though like the direct might be you know okay and so on yeah. and other people did just sit and like oh, nice yeah that's exactly. it for example now i was in in in, in Chilona's house in, in druskininki i was performing there but then my brother was performing a few days after and then i went as a listener like the first time I went as a performer and I thought like oh my god this is so amazing it, it is an amazing thing but when you go as a professional there and sit in the garden where the piano and the performer is inside the house you cannot avoid but thinking like I cannot hear it nicely maybe I will put my chair maybe I will I will put my chair there and then you go you know to the left and like mm, it doesn't work like that and then you go you know and other people did just sit and they looked at the trees to the sun they're like oh and then I looked at one person who was literally looking to the sun and it was a beautiful beautiful you know it was a beautiful view and and he was playing and my brother was playing Chopin I think ballad number four and something it was so nice and then I said to myself Naringa look to the sun look to the beautiful view and listen to the music because it's beautiful <laughs> don't think about that acoustics is yes, all of these yes. things. but that's how it is you cannot avoid those thoughts they're very technical and they're there so why you as a performer then should think that you always have to play well that that judgmental person who doesn't want to be judgmental but is because it's just inevitable you know that that the person would like it mm. you need those people who look to the view and enjoy yeah because this is a, a you know this is something more than just playing a program this is you know an experience exactly experience because people are um they need a lot of stimuli in order to be interested exactly. in something because we have so many things and we can reach everything so easily. You know, we have YouTube, we have Netflix, we have Google, you know, we can learn about everything this second. So I think, I mean, it's true that uh, classical music art is uh, not that stimulating. So therefore we have to add, especially maybe it was stimulating, you know, 300 years ago. But now yes. when we have so much stimuli, we have to... F- as you say, find new ways to make it a little bit more stimulating than it was 300 years ago. Yeah, because compare TikTok and or our Instagram reels that are, what, half a minute? No, even yeah. less, 15 seconds or something like that. And then you scroll through a lot of them and it changes, you know, every exactly. 15 seconds. And then you have to listen to a sonata that, you know, lasts minutes, for like yeah. 30 minutes at least. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And exactly. then it's it's very different. So you have to really think about how to change how you present the program, what do you choose to play, how do you show it, because you you cannot just stick to that idea that sonata is good. I'm, I'm really criticizing sonata. Some <laughs> sonata sonatas form. are really awesome. <laughs> no, some concertos... doesn't sonata. like sonatas. <laughs> no, I do. No, I do. It's fine. <laughs> but, I mean, it's just, it's a big cycle. 
I, I love playing cycles, but that's what I do. For example, when I'm playing cycles, I usually play like a bunch of preludes, bunch of, you know, things. Mm. I'm always playing cycles of small pieces because it's like Instagram reel in my head <laughs> because I, I don't enjoy playing very big pieces anymore because I got, uh, you know, I got used to playing small cycles and I really love them. But that's the thing. Like you have to really admit that people will most likely not be interested in some okay i will say fantasy now not sonata but some piece that lasts for like 40 minutes sorry schumann <laughs> well to be honest yes yeah, sorry schumann because i really i i mean i'm not enjoying that yeah i'm not enjoying that piece mm. to listen to maybe performer when you're performing it's a bit more interesting but that's the point like you don't feel interested and you have to understand that now people change and you cannot stick to that idea that sorry but this is a genius piece and i will continue on playing that because like screw you all because yeah. they will not basically buy tickets to your concerts and you will be poor. So I don't know if that's really a good <laughs> attitude. Everything with money anyway. Well, of course we need to eat. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, it was so interesting. In the first discussion we did with Thomas, you know, we talked that money is everything. You know, we, we can say that, oh, money doesn't buy happiness. But with, without money, you cannot do anything, you know. How and can you continue with your career if you're like literally almost dying every day yeah. because you're just thinking what to eat the base the basic needs from maslow which needs to be exactly uh, but then you're alive with the of. art and the idea of performing and then you don't care about anything and there are so many artists who are thinking like that yeah and then they criticize some wedding performers who are earning loads of money by the way and by what the if way. they enjoy playing pop music why do you need to judge particularly but then you sit in your basement playing your schumann. academic or <laughs> playing your schumann we love schumann oh, anyway no, schumann is beautiful yeah but like the thing is it doesn't sound like that i think <laughs> after this discussion we will we will not be invited to play anywhere <laughs> yeah bummer, bummer. <laughs> Well, not Schumann. These two <laughs> who are criticizing everything. classical music. No, but we can play well. We, we can, can play also well. play Schumann. It's fine. <laughs> it's just the question. Do you really want to book Schumann for the audience? <laughs> like, do you really want to? That's particularly Actually, actually Schumann has uh, beautiful, beautiful pieces. pieces, which doesn't have to be lo uh, as long. Puntabletta, this is fantastic, for example. But, you know, it's an interesting thing about, you know, we are making jokes, but... It doesn't mean that you cannot play Schumann. It maybe you can grow your audience to exactly. listen to Schumann. Exactly. You know, to to the say for your sonatas or or fantasies. You know, I was trying to play Schumanovsky metops for people in that house through the window, and that was a, quite of a scary thing because Schumanovsky. Well, it's kind of a modern piece, and it's quite difficult to listen to. It's nice to perform, but it's quite difficult to listen mm -hmm. to. So you really need to know how do you present the piece? How do you present, I don't know, maybe your connection with the piece or something that people would really get into that, you know, idea that you are having in your head while you're playing. You can establish that. And I think people actually liked it. It was, it, there were two concerts with the uh, Shimonovsky Metops and they all liked it. Mm. At least they said that. So I will believe them. Yeah, <laughs> I think we are also sometimes, we are thinking less about the audience when, you know, we think that they are less intelligent than we, mm. when, than they actually are. 
I think we just need to give them a chance yeah, as well. Exactly. It's not about thinking if they're intelligent or not, because if you're just speaking more about the background story, you're not just like saying like you're dumb and now I'm gonna tell you why this was written, what it is there, so that you would understand. You're not saying that. You're just saying, listen, that's a really nice background story. I want to share it to you because this is the reason why I play this piece. Yeah. And that's that's it you totally don't you don't yeah. have to make a lecture of you know <laughs> that this is like a sonata form with you know like the main you know yeah, melodies yeah, yeah. there and another one you don't have to do the analysis this is boring for people but you really you, you can as i said you need to speak a bit more about yourself not in a very egocentric way but your connection to it because then people will establish connection to you and sometimes it's going to be not through instagram or facebook but it's going to be through a direct concert mm. and it's okay if you don't want to talk but then you have to find ways how to you know establish that connection but you're not thinking that audience is stupid you're just you know you're trying to connect with them it's like making a small talk the same yeah it's the same you know when you when the pianists sometimes they don't uh, bow between the movements even though someone is clapping you know they i think it's a it's a quite a, it's a wrong thing to do because you know the audience by clapping they tell you look at me look at me i'm here you know and then when the performer completely ignores it it kind of tells them okay you are you not did the wrong thing and now you should be afraid <laughs> to clap next time yeah, yeah and you are not <laughs> existing for me you know yeah. so you i think it's also as you say that this creating this uh, connection with the audience in the stage on stage and fr you know going from the hall when you go out from the hall as well exactly. you know instagram or whatever but uh, you mentioned that uh, branding a per persona this very weird word which you have in your thesis are two separate things or or they connect but they, they connect are not very exactly well. they the same thing they can't you could say that this is a bit of a the same thing because the the term persona is being used in many many ways like the first it was in general it, it comes from ancient greek actually and it was the word prosopon and it was a literal mask that you put on when you're acting oh, it's like okay. your the the character's mask uh -huh. and so then later on the literature took it and they were sa saying that persona is the main narrator or the main you know the main protagonist of 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 um of a literal li literature work but then psychologists took it and that's when i just completely got hooked because they said that uh, it was uh, carl jung who said that there are two uh, like very important aspects of ourselves it's like our soul so the, the inner ego the very vulnerable you know part of ourselves and then there's a persona the social mask which we put on which we put on yeah. And so then, like, this term was started uh, being used in music, and it was really, really interesting, because then there were musicologists who said that, like, literally the stage and the performance is a social gathering, it's a social, you know, thing, so that means you're, it's okay if you're different, and you must be different than your inner, inner ego. And so, yeah, but then actually why it is very much related to branding is because persona was was used also in marketing and in politics and in all of these things. Because, uh, for example, you are trying to establish your self-image according to your, for example, people who will vote for you or for the people who will buy your product. And that's that has this manipulative, you know, yeah. aspect to it. 
but so this is how it is related so that means it's the social aspect of you of you and and in my research i'm trying to speak about it how is it you know being expressed on the stage while you're performing and how you behave on the stage but then also how does it look like in you know the modern world so that means the social media and all of these you know um contemporary you know ways of of your career strategy so that means you know instagram and, and mm. facebook and tiktok and you know other things so what have you learned till this point i know that you are still in the very very beginning but uh, what would what would you say was the most uh kind of big revelation for you maybe there was no but uh, there were many <laughs> there, there were many <laughs> there were too many too many no i mean um i really came upon some very entertaining articles of people who were comparing popular music to academic music in various aspects and it was just very funny because you realize how you know how big of a show off people are in the popular music and how little. You know, little we are and of course you cannot behave like popular music maybe you can that's that's the main point i read a lot about popular music rock music because this is where all the research is, is centered and the academic music has really little left for it and then i think like what if you use all of that academic music what what would happen if you would really behave like that and a very funny thing happened because i was uh, writing about uh, the gestures how you know what, what kind of things you do on the stage and there like are like a movement you mean yeah movement uh -huh. and you know what kind of things you do yeah, and yeah, yeah. um I wanted to kind of prove that classical musicians started to do some things that they took from popular music or from rock music. And I thought like, okay, who would be the best person now that I, because I need to now listen to a lot of recordings so I could find somebody acting like a pop star. And then I, of course, searched for Lang Lang. <laughs> And I think he was playing... I don't want to be I don't want to mistake but I think it was London Symphony and mm -hmm. I think he was playing Mozart concerto I don't remember which one I mean sorry not the London Symphonic probably chamber orchestra and after the concerts when people were clapping they were literally putting their hands up because like in the rock star like audience were like in a you know like in a rock concert Whoa. and Lang Lang took his tissue and gave it to the audience member <laughs> It's like, you know, rock stars, they take off their t-shirt yes, and then they yes, throw it. Yes. But Lang Lang did it with his uh, tissue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. I thought like, oh, you crazy bastard. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, it's a small thing. And usually like if you say it to someone, they're just immediately eye roll like, oh my God. But for me, it's just like so funny that a person actually has guts to do such a, you know, posh <laughs> yeah. gesture. Like, yeah, I'm a star. Now you have my... I don't know what's in that tissue. <laughs> like yeah, probably yeah, but sweat. But as you say, you everything. Know. I think it's it was it was not a random decision. I think it was conscious decision. I mean, you know, he pl almost planned it. I Maybe think. it was not even the first time that he did yeah. it. It was just that I saw it for the first time. But I really, you know, I thought that why not? I mean, why not behaving like that? It's it's a little bit the same thing as the uh, as Yuja Wang and her dress code you know everyone talks about it oh what is i love it i love it i saw her live and i think it's it's so amazing to look at her and her body like you know she isn't like an athlete because i think she has this amazing thing of how to control her body you know in a in a such a healthy and you know positive way when she plays yeah and it's so it's so fantastic to look at her it's like as i said like as we talked that it's a It's a package, you know. Yeah. You have you you watch her. It's so beautiful. She plays really well. You enjoy the concert. Yeah. So you have 
three elements to yeah. it, you know, not only that she plays well, you exactly. know. Exactly. I've read somewhere actually about the dress code and um, the I think it was in musicologist Philips Auslander's book and uh, he said that like um, when you look at academic musicians' um, outfit, outfits, you can immediately yeah. see that this is a service, like this is a specialized service. So that means there's this, you know, dress code because it's always, you know, very official. Also from both sides, from audience and from the performer uh, point of view. So that means that um, this is something that audience cannot perform by themselves. This is something so complicated mm. that audience cannot do it. And and the dress code somehow it codes that. Oh wow. But when you look to the rock music and uh, Auslander really did a lot of research on rock music, uh, especially from the 20th century, and he said that the dress codes uh, they they used to dress I mean according to the, you know, trends of that time. Yeah. And they kind of sort of coded the idea that any one of you now can become a rock star. Mm, I see. But then what happened when all the popular music and rock music really, really, you know, started to be more and more, you know, popular, it, it happened from the 20th century really rapidly. Uh, the thing was that we stayed with this official outfits that this is a specialized thing. While other artists, they were telling audience that you can become a pop star, you can become a rock star, you can become, you know, a, a, I don't know, like a supermodel and so on. So then immediately have this connection with the audience that, oh my God, you're just, we're like the same, you know, it immediately went there. And we stayed in this like, okay, this is something very important. <coughs> yep. But nowadays, if we think about it, everything is in the middle class. People mm. is the middle class is winning and this is beautiful. But then the thing is that well, we still take that you know even with our um, outfit. Mm. But then when somebody decides to put a short dress or a very re revealing dress like Katya Bunatishvili does, then you get a lot of criticism like oh my god you know like people are looking to people are coming to your concerts to watch you and okay and if Beyonce goes no. like that it's fine yeah exactly you know? but like okay if you say to Katya because I've, I, I listened to one interview that somebody said to her like I think that audience is coming to your concerts because they want to look at you not listen to you and she answered like okay but I think they want to you know to experience the live concert and so on and so on she was very diplomatic and very cool with that and she said like well, well what is wrong with how I look like because this is how I look like every day with the lipstick and with the you know very designer dresses and so on but then I thought like so what if people are actually coming to your concert to look at you you're pretty or you're <laughs> handsome because you're, you know, maybe some people find Lang Lang very handsome or Igor Levit. Come on. Everybody <laughs> <laughs> but it's that's like Yuja Wang. I mean, she's also like exactly. her body is like so fantastic. As I said, like I really it was so entertaining. You know, she played Ravel left hand concerto. And, you know, the, the way she moved, you know, she was I, I could see how she balances her body. I was I, I don't remember the music. I, I, and I'm a professional, you know, pianist. I remember how well she was working with her body because it's one hand concerto, it's you know? It's, it's and thing, I, yeah. I totally agree. It's nothing. Yeah. And I think it's fine. I mean, in pop music, I think most of the time people are coming to look at you. <laughs> And female artists, they're kind of manipulating with all of the re re revealing, you know, yeah. outfits and so on. And it's okay. Like, so what? Maybe that's the way they want to present themselves. Yeah. Then it's always a question. How much is it like natural and honest and how much it is, you know, um, 
conducted by someone yeah. like the, the the marketing machinery and all of these things but you know it's at the end it's very important that the audience likes it yeah so, so to wrap up what <laughs> would you think what would you say uh would be the first mindset thing to not maybe to change i mean we don't have to change everyone can be how they want to be obviously but uh just maybe you know if we have classical musicians who would like to uh live you know more meaningful or you know successful lives <laughs> if we can say that what would you think would be the the first step well i think first of all we have to focus on the audience and then we have to really find a way of how to try to understand how audience perceive us because it's very if if we're thinking about because if you see like my research is about creating academic musicians persona and it's from the point of view of a musician because this is a very very difficult task because you need to talk about yourself and about you know so then immediately go to that you know according to Jung to that you know inner ego to your soul and then you're vulnerable and then you're afraid to do anything drastic unless somebody you know from marketing or you know from tells from you. You know, tells you okay this is going to look good but then you get a lot of things that okay but this is not honest this is not who i am and so on so this is always like the boundary i think it's very very slim it's very difficult to do that i don't know like um coming back to that like if you're trying to really build your own brand and you did the course with angela as well so that means like okay so how was it for you to sit down and then to think okay so what is my brand how am i exceptional yeah how easy was it for you <laughs> it to was really hard i still i still think about it you know exactly because you always because you cannot just you know make an image and then like it's not one day thing exactly yeah. and it's sometimes like you can experiment all of the time with the you know with it and then you just still do not establish that because this is difficult so it's also what i'm trying to do in my research really find these methods of how to do the self-reflection from the point of view of the audience to really mm. try to understand who is the social you the persona because this is very important because you can be very vulnerable you can you can think that you play the worst because this is probably what you will think It, no matter how good you are actually but you this is not what audience sees and then you have to really go with it what they see and then to use that in all of the social media and everything so you could really find the connection but that's a difficult thing to do but i think you have to really think about yourself from the point of view of the listener you have to think about the listener and of course then probably when people would be hearing this they would say like okay but then that means i'm selling myself to the audience i'm playing everything what they want or everything what they but that's a bit like that mm. i mean it doesn't necessarily mean that you will never be able to play i don't know Bach's Goldberg variations because it's a long piece and very difficult and probably audience will not have you know the stamina to listen to it that doesn't mean that but that means that you will find the audience that will or you will do you know a lot of work so that the audience actually would do that but you have to collaborate it's it's just you have to do that because otherwise it will just be there yeah. on the stage and they will be there and that means that they will not come probably to the next concert they will go to another person's concert mm. and that's that's how it is so you have to collaborate 
who is yes. listening. <laughs> so thank you so much, Neringa, for it's the pleasure. information. And I have a little present for you, which disappeared under my under my <laughs> my seat. I have it. I have it. I found I it. I think we're moving all the time <laughs> yes. a bit. So this is our handmade uh, Kona's Piano Cute. Fest little present because you're a pianist and you will get three keys. <laughs> this is so cool. <laughs> and it's written Kona's Piano Fest, festival friend. So nice. thank, thank you, you so very much. much. I will practice on it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can practice your trills. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, so thank you so much. It was really, really interesting. And uh, yeah, I hope you had a great time as well. <laughs> thank you. And uh, thank you. Thank you so much for you, for listening, for our, our my free discussions. I'm already a little bit tired, if you can imagine, after the whole festival. We have two more days left. We have one concert tonight at 8 and uh, tomorrow gala. And all these free, free discussions will be available on YouTube and Facebook. And uh, yes, we would like to know your opinions. Your comments are welcome. And thank you so much for joining us. And once more, thanks for Nerika. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining this episode today. I really hope you enjoy the conversation. And if you feel that it was valuable, please share it with your friends or on your social media. This is the best way you can actually help spread the news about this podcast. And of course, I would like to thank to all my patrons who are keep supporting me. And uh, if you would like to help me grow this podcast, you can also do that by visiting patreon.com slash Monika Mashanoskaite. See you in a couple of weeks.